Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. It is December the 28th. Hopefully you've all had a wonderful Christmas. Hopefully you're taking a lighter week this week as we get ready for the new year. It's perfectly okay to take a couple logs off the fire during this week between Christmas and New Year's. I have always thought of Christmas as mostly for the kids and New Year's as mostly for the adults. Indeed. So Julie, welcome to today's podcast. <laughs> yes, thank you. And I, as you said, I hope everybody's having really great holidays and I know some of you walk around with a badge of honor. I'm going to work all the way through. Well, you know, don't do that. Refill the cup, take a breath. You've got it to do all over again next year. And people don't really expect you to be quite as frosty this week. So take advantage and do some fun stuff. That's right. Um, so fun stuff might just be listening to our podcast. Let's see how we do today as far as being entertaining. What do you think, Julie? <laughs> we'll see. I, we're both caffeinated. Yeah, so. we are. So um, we received a request yesterday or the day before, and someone was very specific wanting to know why we lived to uh, move to Puerto Rico. Now, this is something we've talked about before, and I've received... I don't know, maybe in the past 12 months, we've probably had that request maybe 50 or 75 times, but we've never actually drilled down and done a show about it. And I thought, well, that would actually be a really good topic mm -hmm. because now that we've been here for basically a year, I don't think I was quite ready or Julie and I weren't quite ready to talk about why we moved to PR um, in, until we've been here for about a year because psychologically, I don't know about you, but it's taken me. Yes. And I, I, it's funny, I was talking to Jay Kinder about this. Jay and mm -hmm. his family and, you know, their, dog, here. their yeah. dog and their cat are moving here like today. today. They're know. on a plane with 20 bags, I know. a dog and a cat. I was talking to Zoe about remembering when we made the move. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's a big deal. It's, it's a huge. really big deal. It's, it's huge. huge. So the, the advice I gave to Jay was I said, for, yes, PR is technically part of the United States, but just... To make it so that you're not um, getting too frustrated with some of the things that are different, just mentally prepare yourself as if you are moving to a foreign country. Basically, that's, yeah. that's very accurate. Well, Puerto Rico is, is like America, yeah. but everyone here does definitely prominently speak Spanish. Definitely. It's you kind know. of like a uh, country hybrid type of feeling. Yeah. You're definitely in a place that's more different than any state we've ever visited. And I think we've been in 35 of the 50 states. Yeah, definitely. Um, it has its own identity. It really does have its own uh, language. But it also, you know, you've got CVS and Walgreens around the corner. So there are some things that are very similar and familiar, and there are a lot of things that are not familiar at all. So we're going to go down the list. And I know a lot of you guys are asking or asking specifically because you want to know about the business advantages of having a Puerto Rican-based business, and we'll talk about that. But the topic or the focus of today's podcast, and I wrote down six points, and Julia was coming up with some more points as I was showing her my points, and so it'll probably end up being more than six points when I'm trying to tell you, is that we're going to focus on all of the reasons, and we're going to talk about them in the priority, and, and if you don't think that priority is right, you can go yeah, ahead and change it. I think fine. that was pretty, pretty yep. accurate. But we're going to talk about it in the order in which um, of importance to us. And I think some of you will be surprised because the whole tax thing actually is my reason number six. Um, and now, like I said, Julie might tag on some other reasons too. But for now, this is our reason, as, and these are our reasons why we moved to PR. So let me set this up for you. Um, so Julie and I have lived in you know several, well, what, Ohio, uh, Nevada, and we've lived in other states too, in Texas. And um, 
we've always been searching for sort of like this idyllic lifestyle, right? I mm-hmm. think we had it, the closest we ever had it was in Texas. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Minus the pollen. Well, that's point number one, which we're <laughs> right. getting to, right? Yeah. So we had a really great house, and it was in Georgetown, just north of Austin. And then we had this little ranch that was maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes up the road from our house where we had two cows, and we had chickens. Bunch of chickens. And it was fun. And we, eggs we, every day. We went out of our way to try to really design mm-hmm. this idyllic lifestyle to raise the kid, raise Zoe. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and each other, really. I mean, right. exactly. <laughs> you know, we're still coming up. But uh, yeah, and I loved the house and the environment. Texans are great, friendly people. We still have lots of really good uh, friends and relationships there. We had our Orange Theory down the street where we could work out all the time. And it was really good. Um, And I, you know, I really enjoyed our time in Texas. I think that we'll get back there to visit some of them. For sure. What we didn't know when we moved to (laughs) Texas was how uh, allergenic, is that the term? Yes. It is. And it's just bottom line for you, Julie's had allergies ever since I met her. I met her when she was basically... 16 and she's always had allergies and in columbus ohio where we're from she had really really bad allergies um and well, dur- I, I thought they were bad during yeah, that's right. in Texas. well you know it wasn't year round in Ohio. No. it was part of the year Spring yeah and, fall. and yeah. then we moved you know we moved around to different places and you know everyone's got a little bit of allergies but when we moved to texas she basically became a complete mess and here's just it's kind of interesting looking back we didn't even um because her allergies weren't an issue when we were living in nevada and so when she moved to Texas, we didn't stop to think, well, she, you know, she thought maybe, well, I just mostly outgrew them or whatever. But when we moved to Texas, man, they came back in a ve- with vengeance. And and then we discovered, Julie's doctor told her. Yeah, well, so I I started out by thinking, well, I'm just catching Zoe's colds all the time. And I had this cough. And some of my coaching clients will remember, I just had this cough that would not go away. It was really annoying. And so eventually I got so frustrated after trying different things, I thought, well, maybe it really is allergies. And then I went to an actual allergist and did allergy tests. I don't know if you remember that day oh, yeah, where I, I came back, yeah. and, you know, where they pinprick your back with all yeah. the different tests. And I think they did a total of like 118 different tests, you know, pinpricks. And of course, I was allergic to like 68 of them or something. And four or five of them were significantly like big, bad welts, right? That's how they know the severity. They actually measure it. And what was it? It was uh, cedar. It was juniper. It was all the trees that grew all over where we lived. And so, and in addition to that, they started clearing some of those trees, making it worse. You remember you could see pollen they, blowing in the air. Yeah, there was, it was weird. In, in the summer in Texas, like we lived, so people who've never been to Texas before think Texas is just a big, you know, dust bowl. It's not. In the, in around, the area around Austin, it's beautiful. It's very lush. There's lots of lakes. There's lots of just, you know, unfortunately, lots of trees Julie was allergic to. Yeah, and there would be, basically, those two trees are the dominant trees uh, where we live. Everywhere you'd see these damn things. They grew like, they basically were weed trees. The, yeah, well, they're native. They're, they're you know, garbage trees, everywhere. basically. Yeah, yeah, but they are everywhere. It's not like you can just cut down two trees in your yard and be done with the no. allergies. And, and there would be these yeah. big, nasty uh, clouds, and you'd see it through the sunlight of just thick red and brown pollen that would blow in yellow that would just blow you'd be driving down the street and there'd be just this massive wave of like you know alien dust cloud basically it was it was incredible and you remember that that people had said you know you might have cedar fever and we were like cedar fever that sounds like you know maybe that's just made up and then the first time it starts in like january or february and you walk outside even you had some you had headaches Right. It's a real thing. So you went to the doctor, and Mm -hmm. the doctor basically started, you know, you went through the whole process, and then you had to start going there, what, twice a week and start getting shots? I started trying to manage it first, right? So I had three different inhalers on a normal day, more if I was going to work out, allergy shots three times a week. I did that for probably six months. And it did start to get better, 
But it's one of those things where it's like, how much management do you really want to do? And then I was talking to the doctor and she said, you know, maybe you should move. And I said, you know, why, you know, maybe I can just manage it. She said, do you know that this is the worst county in the entire United States, second only to one north of Atlanta for the amount of pollen that is in the air all the time? Yeah. And, and she's like, "Where you know, maybe you should move. And I said, well, what would you recommend? And she said, someplace with a uh, a nice breeze, ideally an island would, would be well yeah. for you. And an island basically because she would hypothetically not be allergic to a lot of the indigenous plants and whatnot that were on an island. So we thought yeah. about Hawaii and we thought about, and we didn't even think about PR actually. It wasn't nope. even on our radar. Not at that time. And, and so uh, essentially we were trying to manage Julie's health thing, but the, the part you left out mm-hmm. was that the doctor told you that you had 50% lung oh, capacity. Yeah, that was fun. Well, every time you go in, they test you because if it's too low, they're not going to give you more of the allergen in your allergy shot, right? So every time you went in, and and I was averaging, like, I think when I started, it was like 58% lung capacity, which is pretty equal to somebody with, say, emphysema or, you know, lung cancer or something like that. So it had gotten that bad. And, you know, when it gets gradually bad, you don't really notice it until somebody actually tests you. Right. And you had to go to the little local emergency thing a yeah. couple of times because you couldn't breathe. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was insane. It was terrible. I mean, this, then this poor girl's going to Orange Theory and, and trying, trying to, to run out. and stay in good shape and the yeah. whole thing. So it was really tragic. So we had to leave. There was no choice. Yeah. There really was no choice. There was It was too bad to be manageable. It was too much of a lifestyle, uh, you know issue for her to have to deal with it so we were looking at different places we went to hawaii we researched hawaii there's hawaii is great nothing against hawaii happy to live their own property there but there were reasons why we didn't want to move there and specifically because well you know it's hawaii and it's the middle of nowhere yeah not (laughs) that convenient really not that convenient say you wanted to travel it's going to be a chore to go anywhere right and we have um you know do events in the mainland and we get called sometimes to do events other places live events and so for us to be on a plane it just you know you guys get it it's just too much travel so that was out um so then we started uh having a different i you know we were doing our homework and we thought well okay so if we're going to live on an island where are we going to live we don't want to give up our you know being us citizens and we, you know, so that got really complicated because when you start thinking about how to solve this Rubik's Cube, um, you know, then you start realizing that there really aren't that many options for someone like Julie, given her health issues. So um, we discovered Puerto Rico. Now, I'd heard about Puerto Rico um, for its tax benefits in probably 2012 or 2013 from some other people that I know that, that moved here. But we didn't really take it seriously. So then I had the epiphany. And then we stumbled across Gene Frederick who then also told us about Puerto Rico. And this was in May of 2019. And I was like, at, at, at lunch in passing. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm moving to Puerto right. Rico next we're, month. We were doing an event with him yeah. in uh, Texas. And he and we sat down for lunch. And he said, well, you know, I'm moving to Puerto Rico. And this is why. And his focus was primarily financial and lifestyle, you know. And um, then I thought, well, holy Tamale, how would we not think of that? That fits perfectly with what we were trying to accomplish, especially Julie's health thing. So one thing led to another. And what was it? Six months later, we're moving to Puerto Rico. Yeah, like four or five months. Well, it was because we had to do it, right? So number two, I'll say that was the first one. The number one thing that sort of got this whole thing started was definitely Julie's health. Number two, and this one's going to be a topic that if you guys are familiar with Julie and I, I think you'll appreciate our well, my primary, my primary uh, greatest fear is basically becoming complacent, complacent in health, complacent in you know essentially all the categories in life that matter the most, right? Wealth building, taking care of your health, taking care of your religion, t- taking or your spirituality, taking Family. care of your relationships, you know, basically not becoming complacent about anything. 
because I know from having coached agents forever and you know people in general that as soon as you allow yourself to start becoming complacent in any one particular category of your life, there's complacency creep and it enters into other parts of your life. I mean, generally speaking, if you see somebody, for example, that has health or let's say they're just you know overweight, right? Probably they're also having issues in other aspects of their life as well, because um, you know you generally speaking you're not going to have complacency in one issue in one area of your life without affecting other areas or being essentially across the board complacent. Because remember what Julie said? She just said like for example when you have a health issue like allergies, it creeps up to the point where you just sort of get used to it and just mm-hmm. assume it's normal and natural. Well, complacency is the same thing. And again, the blessing of being a coach for all these years. I'm just being observant, really, is that the complacency does creep up on you, and we didn't want that to happen. We no, learned- and, and here's a, a way to prove that point. Our coaching clients and our podcast listeners who are really good at their workout and really consistent, guess what else they're really good at? That's right. They're good at a lot of other things in their schedule. Their lead follow-ups on schedule. They're, they don't fall behind on things. It's definitely related. I think, you know, if you somebody were to study that, they'd find it's in the same part of your brain, which probably houses discipline, for example. But that's how you can prove it, you know. And I, I know that our listeners are going, yeah, when I work out, everything else is better. Well, right? this podcast, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't do it for three or four days. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, jonesing to do a podcast. <laughs> right. Seriously. Because yeah. I had well, got... Well, it's our habits. Because mm-hmm. it's the habit, right? For mm-hmm. every day, for a half hour to an hour, you and I basically stare at each other <laughs> and talk on the podcast. Yep. And, you know, this is something I'd gotten used to. And having that out of my schedule gave me the, you know, willies. So, <laughs> I mean... Gave right? me the shakes. Yep. It did. It's like, I know. yeah. Well, but you make a good point that, you know, moving is one of the things that shakes up your lifestyle. It changes everything that you're doing. And when I read that point uh, before we started, I was thinking, you know, this reminds me of, um, you know, when you go on vacation and your vacation memories are super vivid. Yeah. And I read something in Psychology Today about that, that it's because when you're on vacation, you don't really know where you're going. You don't really know what you're going to eat. Like everything, you've got to be on task on everything to figure out what you're doing and try to have a good time, right? And so all of your senses are tuned in. And I think moving is like a big forced experience like that that Mo- continues so m- having moved when we were in ohio where mm-hmm. we sold real estate across town you get a tiny tiny little slice of, of that right mm-hmm. moving uh, in a different state then you even get it more sure but if you're moving in a different state in the united states chances are wherever you're moving from you're moving to are going to be very similar fairly similar very yeah. very similar yeah. everything because mm-hmm. essentially the you know master plan communities and even the cities and the you can kind of it. recreate what you came from exactly That's true. moving to a foreign country which in essence is what we did yeah that is going to make it so you're going to be shaked out of complacency. Definitely. Yeah. And it's going to expose all the places where you've been a little bit, you know, maybe a little or a lot complacent in your mm-hmm. life. And it's wonderful, honestly. Yes. And I you love know, it. there's, there's a micro version of this that's come to be with the pandemic, which is the trend for people doing a lot longer term rentals to try out different environments. Yep. Instead of going to wherever for a week, they go for 90 days and they set up a workplace and they can try it out. And I think that that's kind of the same idea. You can see if you like it. Maybe you end up moving there. Maybe you end up going somewhere else. Well, so your point that you were making about going on vacation, mm-hmm. that actually has a lot to do with um, being present, right? Right. So if you're standing in the middle of, like, I remember you and I traveling, we PZ, pre-Zoe. That's what <laughs> we call PZ it. Era. We're, we're PZ and <laughs> post-Zoe. Now we're, yeah. yeah. So in, uh, in our PZ years, we would travel and we traveled a lot. That's what we did every mm-hmm. summer. You know, yep. and I remember being in like the Coliseum in Rome or the Louvre in Paris and then, or just even normal streets. I remember and, standing on the corner in Milan. Do you yeah, remember this? Yeah, and yeah. seeing all the dads taking their kids on their Vespas to school. Yeah, it was in the with morning. With their little backpacks. 
It was like a beehive of activity. I have a very vivid memory of that. Right. Well, so the reason you have a very vivid memory, and Julie knows this, and and you even smell the smells. You hear the noises of the Vespas. You remember Mm -hmm. the vibrant colors. It's because you're present. And that's the that's the thing that where we lose time is when you're spending too much time thinking about the future or thinking about the past. In other words, you're not present. That you know, this is something Eckhart Tolle talks about. There's a lot of other you know Stoic people that talked about it. Just it's always been a thing. The thing that gives you stress ultimately is the lack of presence. And the lack of presence basically is off is oftentimes um, you essentially you fall into that habit of not being present when you're complacent. That's, and so those two things go together. So when you're in that vacation when, uh, mode or you're in that place where you have a heightened sense of the novel, you know, nothing around you is the same. Things smell different, look different, taste different. Everything's different. I, I remember Milan specifically. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you guys a quick funny story. So we had just taken um, a car up from uh, Marinello, right? Weren't we coming so. from Marinello? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marinello to Milan. And then we were from going from Milan to Rome, weren't we? Mm-hmm. And so we were in Milan for what, two or three days? Mm-hmm. And I remember walking out of, um, you know, this hotel that we were lucky to get a room at and everyone was like massively tall. <laughs> like, and so Julie funny. and I are not tall people. We're, you know, we're no, not. But this was taller than Texas tall. Okay? These, these are like avatars. Okay. Except, <laughs> totally. except they weren't blue. I mean, they were huge. And Julie and I were walking around and so it was like, holy crap, these people are. I mean, both she men had, and women. I mean, yeah, both men and women and like freakishly tall. And then, and then it was like, damn, and they're dressed nice. Holy crap. <laughs> We are so, pigs. We're short little pigs. Like what world have we wandered into? Right. So all these tall, beautiful people walking around. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this is just not – this is like a movie set. And then it took us probably a whole day to realize it was Fashion Week in Milan. <laughs> no, so we didn't realize We had it. just wandered into Fashion Week in we, Milan. It was Fashion Week. And the people we were seeing walking around were the freaking models and such oh, in between working. So you know, funny. it was, was so funny. And it was like – And, you know, we've had – mentioning that, I, I also remember when we were in uh, – Sturgis, South Dakota, one of our first out west trips, and we were driving in our Miata, right? Yeah, when we and, got married. And, and uh, you know, two or three states in, we're like, damn, there's a lot of motorcycles. People must just ride motorcycles more out west. Yeah. And then there was more and more and more and more. And as it turned out, you know, and, and our big plan was, hey, you know, we're going to be halfway and we're going to stop in South Dakota. How hard could it be to get a hotel room? Well, a little bit harder than we thought during Sturgis week. So, but we have these, these distinct memories of things like that because you're forced into being present and you're observing more. And so that's part of the move experience as well. Well, so that, that exactly right. And so by putting, plopping ourselves from, uh, you know, uh, where we were living in Austin, Texas, and where it was everything was comfortable and secure, we knew everybody, we knew all the, just everything. We, had, we sort of had it hacked. And to drop ourselves in the middle of the Caribbean, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at a map, um, but how <laughs> no. far down Puerto Rico is. Puerto Rico is further away. Puerto Rico is closer to... Africa, I think, than it is to like Miami. What's well, closer to South South America? South Africa America is still young. Oh, that's right. But still on the same, you know, you're that Axis. far south, right? Yeah. So like our weather comes from, we get, uh, what is it called? Saharan dust in the summer. Yeah, occasionally. And the weather goes from east to west instead of west to east. So there's a lot of differences, right? But I think I think we're like a thousand miles south of Miami. It's, yeah. it's two hours on a plane past Miami. Okay, so it's pretty far out there. 
Yeah, it's exceptional. And so we moved here and everything's different every single day, basically. And obviously we've, we've fallen into a routine. We, you know, we're trying to obviously stay present with our uh, going to the gym and all that good stuff. But we run into different people and have different experiences, especially when we leave our community. You know, the and I'm going to get to talking about Puerto Ricans in a second. But yeah, so that was the main reason or the second main reason. Julie's House was the first one uh, wanting to basically uh, shock ourselves in essence and not allow ourselves to be complacent was the next one. Um, and that complacency thing is a huge benefit to all of your lives, especially you got to think about this this time of year, by the way. Um, we should talk briefly about Upgrade Everything just as mm-hmm. a micro step for shaking sure. off complacency. But what that did is being in the mode of that we have been in since we moved here, which was effectively a year ago, we've had a massive professional and personal uh, surge of growth. We really have. And pretty much all the areas of our lives that matter, we probably have made more progress in the last 12 months than we had in the previous, I bet you three, three to five years. I, I think so. I mean, financially we had, mm-hmm. uh, personally we have, mm-hmm. right? Well, and even uh, just relationships and people we know in yeah. our own professional and personal center of influence, not, you know, and again, not to take anything away from Texas, it's just, it's different here. Don't, get um, a, don't step on the future points. Yeah. Well, so point number three, the obvious reason it's an island in the Caribbean who doesn't dream of living under palm trees and being able to swim in the ocean. And by the way, the ocean is warm all the time. We're talking to you on December 28th and you know, you can just walk right in. It's not quite bathtub warm, but it's definitely comfortable, swimmable warm. And I think it's really cool that, you know, Zoe's growing up, she she was explaining me the difference between white egrets and snowy egrets this morning. And she knows like what fish you shouldn't get close to and what kinds of crabs there are. And, uh, you know, that's kind of cool. She's seven, you know, she goes to an eco camp almost every day. It's pretty cool. So I, I think that uh, especially for those of you who dread winter, <laughs> it might be a good thing to think about. Well, well this is, but even if you don't, well, yeah. this is the lifestyle that we have now yeah. that we had basically in the back of our heads. Um, and I remember every year when, when, when the winter settled in in Columbus, Ohio, it yeah. was awful. And we'd go to Key West or we'd go we to would. Miami or, you know. Yeah. Right. And then sometimes there was even cold, honestly. <laughs> yes. And the water's cold there, too. Yeah. And so we always dreamed of one day getting to the point where we could just basically, you know, live at the beach like we do now. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we just had the epiphany. Why the hell are we waiting? I mean, what, really, what is the reason for for our waiting? And the reason was is because, guess what? We'd become complacent in that aspect of thinking big. Then, you know, we backfilled it with how. And then we backfilled it with, you know, essentially all the moving parts to actually make that happen. Of which, I'm not going to lie, there were a ton. Moving to Puerto Rico yeah. is, uh, and we can maybe vamp on this a little bit. Well, we might as well. So the lifestyle here for us is a thousand times better than it's ever been before. Is there any ask? Well, I'm asking you. Cause well, I mean... When you go through your lifestyle checklist, people have different things that, you know. So, uh, you know, we love the gym that we go to. We love the environment that we're in. I like, you know, we live on 1,300-acre reserve. We can go everywhere in a golf cart, restaurants, beach. Um, you know, the interesting people that we meet. The, I think the school situation is superior. So you're rolling into point number four, which is great. So point number four is environment where uh, we live is wall-to-wall weirdos. People like us. That was my point number four. And, and that's what Julie's talking about mm-hmm. now. And so by that, she means, and you guys will understand more of that when we get to point number six, but this area that we live in Dorado, we live at, um, a Ritz, in a Ritz-Carlton community in Dorado, Puerto Rico. You guys can Google it. And um, it's basically full of entrepreneurs. And by entrepreneurs, I mean people in all kinds of different businesses. Serious big thinking. Yeah. And I, for me personally, mm-hmm. um, I would say that's been the biggest. I think especially for you. Yeah. 
because there's there's different you know anybody that that is successful or even you know finding their success now some of you guys can identify situations that maybe you've been in where it was not that comfortable to talk about your success or you were worried about making somebody feel funny or they, you know, weren't really going to be friends with you anymore but if you talked about that. Julia, it wasn't just bragging you know? on about your success. No, it was I, basically... I don't mean bragging on it. I just mean talking about your business. Right. The nature of the conversation yeah. you have and the thoughts you have as an yes. entrepreneur are different than if you're not. Absolutely. Okay. So you have to be tuned in. You have, first of Significantly all, you to, different. You have to be a weirdo yeah. to be an entrepreneur. You have to mm-hmm. be a little bit, you know, a risk taker, but at risk averse at the same time. More risk averse, believe it or not, than... Being a risk taker, that's what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. Successful entrepreneurs stay successful entrepreneurs because they're very cagey about the risks that they take. But um, it's mostly the essentially the nature of the person that decides to build a business and does it consistently for a long period of time so they're successful enough to you know live here, for example. And how they think. Those people are anomalies. Yes. And and in all of our environments in which we lived before, and mm-hmm. all of our friends, none of them really were business owners. None of them were entrepreneurs. Not really. Well, where have we really. ever lived I'm before? To think where, about that. Who do you know here? Here, just to pose the different question. Mm-hmm. Who do you know here who's not a business owner? Of all your friends, who doesn't own a successful business of some variety? I can't name anybody. Nobody. They're all running different yeah. things. And it might be like a medical billing company. It could just be some sort of, you know... There are guys that are a lot of guys in the financial industry here, guys that own hedge funds, of course. But then there's most there's of the- authors, there's economists. Right. Uh, I mean, Ricky Martin lives here. Yeah. You know, but they're they are motivated types, I guess, is yes. one way to look at it. Right. And they're thinking all the time and you can have conversations. And, you know, it's not that we're having real estate conversations or nope. coaching conversations. We're having business conversations. And it, it causes when you surround yourself with like minded, but also even bigger thinkers, it causes you to think bigger. Well, like we, we were walking, um, we took, we were taking Zoe out for, I don't know, eggs or I don't know, some breakfast thing the other day. And we walked into this little restaurant that's here on, on our property, on the property. And there's Scott and Brandy, who they've lived here about um, six months longer than we have. Well, Scott develops hotels and he's developing on the, you know, here in Puerto Rico, a Four Seasons. And so here we have this, you know, opportunity and we're friends with them. I mean, really, really sweet people. And we sat down, just started talking with them. And he was telling us about their different business adventures and what's going on at the Four Seasons Hotel. And it's like, I didn't, you know, in this environment, I just love to talk to people and ask questions because I learned so much. Definitely. And about all kinds of weird things. There was another opportunity I had, um, a guy, I don't remember his name now. Um, I introduced you to him from the gym the other day. Mm-hmm. He says he gets up every morning and he's trading basically the Asian stock mm-hmm. exchange and all this other stuff. Yeah. And like, okay, you're not just going to say that to me. You're going to have to give me more information. Right. And then he starts telling me about the different things he's doing and this different. And it's like, uh, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. I love this. It's so yeah, exciting. It's very interesting. Yeah. And, and there's all these other people that are involved in all these other kinds of, you know, strange businesses, businesses that you never would have like thought of. And so I'll tell you what it's helped me to realize is it, there's a fallacy that just because you're good at one thing, you think, and by you, I mean people in general, but I definitely have fallen prey to this, because you're think because you good at one thing, you think you're naturally going to be, be good at other things as well. Mm-hmm. And that's not really how it works. No. And and I've, I have, being here for the last year, constantly stumbling across people doing things I never would have thought of. I love the fact that it's made me feel ignorant and dumb. Honestly. Yeah, well, it expands your thinking. It does. Well, it shocked no. me out of my complacency. So right. then I'll like write it down. I'm going to go home and research what the hell it is that they were just talking about. You know, hopefully they can't read my face to know I don't know what they're talking about half the time. Yeah, but you know, just walking around because we can go anywhere, any of the restaurants, the beach, wherever. 
you're going to run into somebody that you either already know and get into those conversations or somebody new that you meet and they're talking about what they do, right? Because that's a common, you know, conversation starter. Don't you think that that also causes you to be more frosty mentally when you're like walking around out in the wild? Because you you never know who you're going to run into. Well, you want them to like you, right? So you can't just be essentially a closed-minded ignoramus. Otherwise, (laughs) you're not going to make friends. And so it does force you, again, to the second point. Out of complacency. And I'll tell you what, I've still not gotten over this. Um, so like when you and I are just, you know, going around our, our neighborhood and then we, I, we'll see people go like, Julie, that's so-and-so. And you don't recognize anybody famous. I mean, you recognize Daniel Craig when we saw him once, yeah. but other than that, you didn't even know it was Ricky Martin that you were having this conversation <laughs> with. I mean, you had to like have a, you know, yeah. figure it out. But so the point of it is, is that I'll, you know, Julie and I will be rolling around in the golf cart or whatever. And we'll, I'll see somebody coming the other way and I'll yeah. say, holy crap, that person I know because they're just on CNBC, they're on yeah. Bloomberg, or that person's a famous author, or that person's this, the other thing. Now, I want all of you guys to remember, <laughs> and I, I, we need to set this so that you're very clear. You know, Julie and I have been married for 30 years this year. Happy 30th anniversary 30th in September well. this yep. year. And when we got uh, when we got married, we were less than poor. I mean, we were like we were sharing 50, a car, fifty or sixty thousand dollars in debt from student yep. loans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we were not in any way given any sort of um, you know inherent advantage over anybody else. Our first year in business, we sold over a hundred homes in real estate, and we've sort of built on it from there. Mm-hmm. And the, and the reality of it is, is that what we've done in the last thirty years has taught us very many things. But the biggest thing it uh, taught us was just to never, never give up, never quit, never stop pushing. And um, environments like this, or at least having the thought of moving to a place like this, is going to expand your thinking more than you could possibly imagine. And that's what, you know, we have lots of people visiting us now. <laughs> yeah, well, and Jay, Jay and Amber, thinking about them all day moving here this evening. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. And, you know, it's not just for us, the, the kids that Zoe's growing up with, some of her best friends you know, their parents are like one of them has developed the whole area, the hospital, the, yeah. you know, just like amazing, interesting well, people. Let's make actually what you, because I know what every mom out there is thinking is yeah. what about the kids' school? So let's make point number five, the, the education that Zoe gets. Yeah. Because that will really surprise people. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. And of course, on one of our previous, you know, to moving trips, we took a tour of the school. Everybody's like, you've got to go to the school. And uh, she was coming from a nice little private school. Catholic was, school. A Catholic school. It was, you know, very manageable, um, kind of small. Shout out to St. Helens in Shout Georgetown, out, yeah, Texas. Yeah, St. Helens. She's, she picked up a lot of great things there. She did. Um, but this is by all means like a, I guess it's a, it's kind of known as an international college prep school, which is a little intimidating if you didn't grow up on that. Um, but I'll tell you what, she learned how to read really well in the first 90 days of kindergarten. She's absolutely becoming bilingual. She was laying some Spanish on me last night, making dinner, you know, asking, and I had to look up what she was saying. Um, And just like the kids that she plays with and the conversations she has and being able to switch between English and Spanish, that was important because I think... Well, we went to the beach yesterday Mm -hmm. and there was was just all um, Puerto Rican kids there. Yeah. And she didn't care. She just went and played. She just went and played and, you know, she picks things up along the way. She's been very friendly. But I think the fact that you can... Well, you know what? Yeah. I, that I need to preface that. By yeah. saying that, what I'm saying is the Puerto Rican kids will be able to speak fluidly English and Spanish, but almost always they're going to prefer Spanish. And so for Zoe to play with them, she had to basically speak Spanish. But, which gives her more versatility as right. a human being. Okay. Um, and then some of the other cool stuff that they do. And, and of course, the conversion to being virtual. They actually did a decent job about that. 
Um, so the school is, I, I would the say school overall is, it's superior. The school is called TASIS, which stands mm-hmm. for? Uh, the American School in Switzerland, which I know doesn't make any sense whatsoever being in Puerto Rico, but it's a, it's a type of school that's only, I think they're in Switzerland, Puerto Rico, London, Portugal, and I can't remember what the fifth one is. Wasn't but that that's France? Maybe it's France. And wasn't this school started by American diplomats? I have to really look up the history in Switzerland. Yeah. But it, it's a very specific curriculum. They have to learn how to write. They're, one of their goals is for every kid to be bilingual by um, bilingual by sixth grade. Because remember, some of the, the kids are 100% you know, Hispanic. So they're learning English. Zoe's learning Spanish. And then have a third language by the time you graduate. Because this right. is pre-pre-K through 12th grade. Um, and then the other goal is that they become excellent writers. So you've seen some of the, like Zoe has to write and illustrate stories in both Spanish and English every week. And there's a different topic. So last week was she had to write a how-to book. So she wrote how to put together a Christmas tree. And it had to have four steps to it with an illustration on each page. Okay, that's in first grade. I don't know about you, but I don't remember doing anything like that. So that's pretty cool. And of course, you know, the math and science and everything. So I I would say I'm, I'm very happy with the school situation both uh, academically as well as, you know, her friends that she's making socially. And socially. Yeah. Yeah. And people here are very uh, easy to know, too. That's the other thing, which actually yeah. leads me back to what was uh, point number. Uh, it's not point number six. So point number six, and this is something um, we suspected from having visited and talked to a lot of people, but I underestimated was mm-hmm. the nature of the people in Puerto Rico. Yes. It really, truly blows my mind mm-hmm. because there are common people in Puerto Rico almost always like what you guys and what we thought based on what you hear in the news about Puerto Ricans is completely wrong. Yeah. So Puerto Ricans are to a person, very entrepreneurial. They have, yeah. um, they're very family oriented. They have very traditional um, it's it's a, essentially the island is prominently Catholic, so they have very traditional family values, very traditional sort love of love holidays. Oh my gosh, and love holidays, but <laughs> yeah. they're very easy people to know. They're not mm-hmm. um, they're not like trying to force you. you know, oh, you're you're not from Puerto Rico. You're you know an outlander or out. What would be it? Outsider, Inclu- you know. inclusive versus exclusive yeah. or whatever. But they're and they're very forgiving language wise, yeah. which I find I very much appreciate that I can get away with some Spanglish, right? But because but, it's easier to learn and. It's not like I remember going to Paris and French people were like, if you don't speak perfect French, we're not even going to try to speak English with you. And it's your, one or the other. And your family's French. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was very like, and I appreciate their enthusiasm for being French. I have no problem with that. But here it's so much more forgiving because it really is more like a, a 50-50 language. Well, what we didn't take into consideration, which mm-hmm. we didn't realize until we lived here for a while, mm-hmm. is the Puerto Ricans are very, very similar to where we're from Ohio, in Ohio. And yeah. let, me, let me explain. Which sounds funny, right? So it does explain. sound funny. So where we're from in Ohio, you had occasionally, not every winter, but you had such really unbelievably nasty winters. And there would be occasional blizzards. And if you guys, you know, if you don't know what a blizzard is, just let me just tell you, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. I mean, I have memories as kids. Now, it was maybe two blizzards, but where you couldn't open your front door. And, yep. and you know, just the snow and the ice and the nastiness, and you don't want to go outside, and everybody stays in the house. And, you know, it just is really, really horrible. Um, and a lot of you guys are living through that right now, and we completely and totally understand what you're feeling because we did too. I mean, you get little seasonal depression from the lack of vitamin Sunlight. D because there's no sun. It's like, you know, it's you get cold. You're walking in essentially a dark cloud the whole winter. It's really, really bad. But what it does do is, 
is it does create an environment where people really do take after each other. Yeah. And, you know, you would have people in, in Columbus, Ohio, and, and especially the places we lived, where they would go out of their way to check on each other. There was a, a community um, feeling that was always there, no matter whether we were living in a you know first-time homebuyer area or a really nice didn't area. Matter. It yep. didn't matter. It was the Ohio backbone of these this desire yeah. to take after each other because winter was coming. <laughs> right, and and in the summer tornadoes were coming. Yeah. But but I remember you remember when we lived in uh, New Albany that we had one of those epic snows. And like we couldn't, it, the whoever it was that was snow blowing the sidewalk and then snow blowing every neighbor's driveway. But it was a neighbor. But they were so bundled up that you we couldn't, couldn't tell. even tell who it was to right. say thank you. They were just out there helping everybody out. Right. I think that's what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, I am. And in Puerto Rico, it's very similar. The, well, probably because they've been slammed by hurricanes. Well, that they've got that same feeling. It's because it's an island. Yeah. In the middle. You're on your own, baby. Of, you know, <laughs> it, and it's the uh, you know three yeah. million people that live on this island. Yeah. And a lot of people are essentially, they're very entrepreneurial. It's, mm-hmm. it's unusual to find somebody who does not have at least one or two side hustles here. At least one or two. And, and here's the other thing that will really shock people. Mm-hmm. They are really well-educated, too. Yes. And some of the, um, the you know, better established, shall we say, rich Puerto Rican families are educated like you would never possibly imagine. They'll speak yeah. three and four languages. They're, they'll travel to Europe. Very well-traveled. Completely different than what mm-hmm. you would expect, at least what we expect. Yeah, and a lot of the doctors are educated in the U.S. and then come back. I mean, yeah, the doctors here. are fantastic. They yeah. all have specializations, in which you know normally U.S.-based yeah. doctors won't have gone that far in their education. Um, but really, overall, it's wonderful. And, and if this, if there is an example of don't judge a book by its cover, it's here, because you can be driving down a street and all of a sudden you'll come across somebody who's selling like I don't even know what bananas along the side of the street. Yes, there is people selling. <laughs> well, people- well, look at Zoe's birthday's coming up, right? Yeah. And I've already like within a couple of hours with our connections here in the neighborhood have been set up with somebody whose side hustle is fireworks. Yeah. And another one whose side hustle is making really beautiful cakes. I mean, and, you know, entrepreneurial. It's, I think it's in their blood. So Zoe's getting a birthday cake for her seventh birthday that looks way better than our wedding cake did. I'm just (laughs) going to throw that out. Zoe's not spoiled. I scaled it back a little bit. Zoe's not, oh, really? Would you scale back? It's not two levels now. It's just one level. One level? Okay. And how much adornment is on the top? A lot. Okay. It'll be cool. It'll be cool. Got it. Fancier than (laughs) our wedding cake. Scrapbook stuff, probably. (laughs) Yeah. All right. It's what you do here, though. That's a thing. Well, so the point being is that the people here are wonderful. They're, you know, to almost to a person. I don't think I've had it. Have you had a bad experience? You know, the the only resistance that very occasionally happens, and it's our fault more than their fault, is if sometimes people will come here and they just don't try to learn the language. Oh, that's a mistake. You know, that's a mistake. If you move here. If you move here and you don't at least make an effort, if you make even a little bit of effort, then they're very forgiving and they'll help you and they'll, you know, you can speak a mixture of Spanish and English and, and understand each other, write some stuff down. Uh, but if you don't make the effort and you expect them to, you know, you're the import, not them. So that's kind of seen as a little bit rude. Guys, they do consider themselves Americans, but trust me when I tell you that they're Puerto, they, Rican they're first. Puerto Ricans first. And it's sort of frankly like the way Texans were. I would honestly. agree with that. That's true. Yeah. I mean, Texas, you'd see the Texas flag sometimes higher up on the pole than the American flag. Yeah. Not unusual. Um, but because just circling the wagon on the nature of how this island works, because it's an island, everything here is more expensive. And That's there's, true. you know, different, just a whole bunch of reasons why it's more expensive. But as a result of that, people are, there's a whole, um, Julie mentioned it, people making cakes. 
that's just obviously something that you don't use every day. Well, I assume you don't have cake every day. <laughs> but there's people doing all kinds of different things that normally you would have just uh, purchased. I mean, there's people making things. There's just a whole – the whole culture here is very entrepreneurial. And here's the thing that might surprise you. Despite what you're hearing on CNN, it's very conservative. Because the nature of – there's a self-reliance spirit undercurrent mm-hmm. here um, – and there's also here's another thing. I don't know if you picked this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of veterans here. Yes, lots there are a lot of veterans, veterans and they're mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, there's a lot patriotic. of patriotic, which patriotic, and that and I find that to be very mm-hmm. Texas-like too. Yeah, but the the whole feeling of self-sufficiency, I That's think, is what it baked is. in. Yeah. You know, like if you're maybe you can't find a job that pays like you need to pay. Well, you develop like I've got a gal that delivers both eggs and wine, (laughs) you know, and I know she does a whole bunch of other things like um, the gal that takes care of our driver's licenses and stuff like that. They find a way to be of service. And I really respect that. And I think it's pretty awesome. And it's not even like. They don't even, I don't think they really think about it. It's just what you do. You find your way. So Julie's talking about having wine, eggs, and cake delivered. So yes, she's a spoiled <laughs> woman too. No. But th- this is, what we're hoping you take from this is the, uh, this island is not like what you think. The people here are, you know, not like, well, at least what we were led to believe they'd yeah. be like. They'd and by be- the way, the whole place is not bombed out. There no, are areas but- that are still recovering from the right. hurricane. That's true. But those are mostly historic areas that were built in like 1490, not exactly hurricane proof. And other areas where the building uh, quality wasn't as great or they got worse winds, whatever. But it's not wall to wall, bombed out wherever you go. Since you brought that up, we can talk about that. Because I have some people here, friends here that wanted Mm -hmm. to purchase real estate basically and fix it up, you know. And so uh, one of the big problems in Puerto Rico is the bureaucracy mm-hmm. and essentially getting any kind of construction of any variety approved. Yes. And so that's the reason that's when you want to build a home here. It it's going to take two to three years. And that's without basements. That's without – yeah, these are all basically poured concrete um, properties. You know, the walls and the ceilings here are seven inches thick of concrete because they have to be rated for hurricanes. Now, we haven't uh, lived here long enough to experience any really bad weather. We've had bad weather, but not really bad weather. No. But, I mean, while we're on this, we might as well just talk about there are lots of things that if you're thinking about moving to Puerto Rico that you have to prepare for. We talked about there's definitely um, an undercurrent of scarcity. And I mean that in the sense that the stores won't have anywhere near the selection of stuff yeah, that you and they run out of stuff that you're used to. Mm-hmm. Right. That just is the way it is. So Amazon is going to be your best friend. Amazon does deliver. Yes. Amazon Prime. Whereas in the mainland, you can get it sometimes the same day here. It might take two or three weeks. So, you know, plan accordingly. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you can set up subscriptions to things and you right. can manage that. It's fine. And But you also have to take into consideration when you live in Puerto Rico. And this is true with a lot of parts of the mainland, too, and really most of the world nowadays which is amazing you mm-hmm. need a generator and you need a big uh, meaty generator probably a diesel or a propane generator no, it came on what was it yesterday or the day before just randomly, randomly. it was sunny out yeah. yeah and some some people here have both they'll have a propane and a diesel generator um and then you're going to need to obviously know a guy that delivers diesel which there's plenty of them that do that mm-hmm. you're going to need to have um again this is not so dissimilar than even parts of the mainland um uh, Peter Schiff, I heard him talking about the fact mm-hmm. that his house in Connecticut uh, was without electricity for like two weeks yeah. or something, and he had to run his whole house on generators. Mm-hmm. But you have a whole house generator installed. You are, you're going to need to have a cistern, or as they call them here, water storage tanks. Julie and I are from the Midwest, so we call them cisterns. But a water storage tank is just like it sounds, and it needs to be a big one too. And ours is solar. So it's No, you're confusing it. That's the hot water tank. tank. Right. Yeah. So, and why do you need a water storage tank? Because the wa- this is a, an island and water, there's no storage, there's no above ground 
water storage tanks. Like when you're pretty much anywhere in the mainland and you're driving around, it's unusual not to see one of those big orb things up in the air that are storing water. Mm -hmm. And they use essentially gravity to push the water through to your home. No, and, that's the, and that's the way it works. Not, they don't exist here. So here they actually have to use pumps to pump the water to the all over the island to different communities. Well, if the electricity goes out, and goes out for the whole island or at least part of the island and eventually what happens is the water stops getting pumped and then you don't have any water that's going to your house so you need to yeah. have basically a water storage tank so you need backups to your backups basically. you need backups to your backups yeah. and there's other things too like the internet for example mm -hmm. where we live the internet works probably 80 percent of the time right and it probably works good 50 percent of the time mm -hmm. but here's your hack T-Mobile has 5G, which works phenomenal on the island. And now that you can get a 5G iPhone, you, you know, and whatnot, you're, it's very close to being essentially um, wireless completely. Yeah. And T-Mobile, I don't know if you guys knew this, and if you're living in some rural part of the United States, you might want to look into this. Um, they're going to supposedly next year in Puerto Rico start offering a T-Mobile home, which will allow you to essentially use 5G as your whole house internet connection, which will solve that problem for us. Because when the storm, when the electricity goes out, when the storms, you know, basically are passing over, and the whole island is basically running off generators, uh, cable doesn't work either. And so that means that you are, yeah. if you're not, you know, connected to like a T-Mobile five G system, you're completely in the dark ages, which in itself That's is true. kind of charming. And it's not always hurricanes. You know, it can go out randomly. And we lost a week of power with earthquakes. That yep. was fun. And so, you know, that's how we learned all these lessons on yeah. month four. <laughs> You're, so I guess so. to underline what we're trying to say, the network of friends and contacts you have when you live in Puerto Rico is critical. Because the, you're going to know somebody that knows somebody. And there's yeah. never been more of an environment that we've ever lived before where that's yeah. been so true. It is the land of center of influence. Definitely. It is the land of your connections more, like a thousand times more than anywhere we lived. Um, even when we lived in the Midwest with storms. Um, I'll give you an example. You were talking about the fuel guy that puts fuel in the generator. Typically what will happen is that the guy that does that will be in the neighborhood and I'll see it on our Facebook pages. So-and-so is in the neighborhood. Do you need fuel? Text him at this phone number. And then like 10 people will text him in a row. He'll map it out and he'll just take care of everybody at the same time. Yeah. He comes by and he'll fill the tank. Yeah. He doesn't even knock on the door. He'll, he just he'll shows wash up. the generator, you know, yeah. he'll service, he'll take care of it. He doesn't, we don't even know what's happening and he moves yeah. on with his day. But it's all about who you know. So if you are an antisocial type, you might not do so well here, but it's also a great opportunity to stop being that way and make some good connections and be part of the community. So I'll tell, I'll say something else too that really mm -hmm. surprised me. Um, we mentioned everything else being more expensive here. Let's yeah. talk about two things that are really expensive that'll really surprise people. <laughs> Number one, um, cars. If you bring in a car that's not a hybrid or not a full EV electric, you're going to pay um, a 20% uh, excise tax. If you buy a new car here that's not an electric or not a hybrid, you're going to pay the sales tax and the excise tax, which means you're going to pay basically 30% more than whatever the car is going to cost. And so you're talking about some, some substantial That's money. That's new or used, right? Yeah. New, no, or see, if it... you buy used, let me think. No, if you buy used, I think you only have to pay the sales tax. I don't think yeah. you have to pay the excise tax. Which is still but, but the excise tax is still figured into the car. So if you bought a mm. used Toyota Camry here, yeah. um, it's going to cost 20% more than it would cost, say, So one way or the other, you're paying You're more. paying it, right. Yeah. Now, as cars grow older, then basically the things find their equilibrium mm -hmm. with U.S you know, mainland sure. prices. But the reality of it is, is that everything here is more expensive. The food here is more expensive. Unless, like you said, you're, we, we have mentioned to you guys, go directly to the people that make the foods. I mean, there are farmers here and there's great, just- One of so, our neighbors has chickens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, um, yeah. I'll tell you the next thing that really will shock you how expensive it is, is real estate. 
And that is a mind bender. You cannot, if you're, there's two prominent, well, there's probably, I would say, maybe Condado, um, certain parts of old San Juan, but I know a lot of people are moving to Condado that are moving here, migrating mm-hmm. here, basically. And notice I said migrating, mm-hmm. moving to um, Dorado mm-hmm. and moving to Palmas del Mar, right? Mm-hmm. Those are probably the three prominent areas. And there's other areas too. Like if you're sure. in your 20s, and you're, you know, especially if you don't have kids, if you don't have kids, or if you're older and your kids are grown. Right. Well, even then you have to worry about basically where you're going to live for the sake of healthcare. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right. And now that you and I are the age that we are, you start thinking about crap like that and having a little kid too. And having a little kid, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so the moral of the story is, is that in, on Puerto Rico, small island, most of the people, the expats that are moving here, not really expats, but the gist of it is, is they're moving primarily to Condado, which is essentially like a city environment, which is fine. It's great. We like it. It's on the beach. Yeah. It's nice. I wouldn't, I mean, personally, it's not for us, but- if you it's, like condos, it's it's kind of sort cool. of on the beach. Yeah, there's a beach, but sort of on the beach. Yeah, it's wall to wall towers basically. It's it kind of has a Miami esque feel. It's a mini Miami. Yeah, that's where I would say that's, that's accurate. Um, old San Juan, and there are some areas in Old San Juan which are really beautiful mm-hmm. in the old historic, you know, Spanish yeah. colonial type thing. Sure. And then you have Palmas del Mar, and mm-hmm. Palmas del Mar is on the other side of the island. Uh, Palmas is m- almost ninety nine percent condos. Yep. Um, I mean, just check it out. It has so good boat docks. That's a good launching point to get yeah. to British Virgin Islands, for example. Yeah. And that's so, what, and there's a lot of people, obviously, that, you know, are enjoying boats and whatnot. And then you have Dorado. Now, where we chose was Dorado for all the reasons we've talked about so far. You know, the people, the environment, the school was the, you know, primary reason. The uh, accessibility to virtually everything we'd need here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom lives with us, or sometimes I th- think we're living with my mom. I'm not really sure which. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the two. Um, exactly. But, yeah, so we are, we have a family of four, plus we have two little French bulldogs, and it all worked out here, you know. And But Dorado in particular, that's the market that we know best, is extremely expensive. And just to put it in perspective – in the past 12 months, not all, but many of the homes where we lived have doubled in value. We know people that have purchased homes here that bought them right after Maria, Hurricane Maria in 2012, or actually what year it would have been, only been two years ago, three years ago, Yeah, whose houses have gone from, say, six or 700000 now they're worth like millions of dollars, just because the incredible demand from people from the mainland that are moving to Puerto Rico. And, um, and that's not just fictitious value. That's actually sold and oh, closed. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, real comps. And, you know, we went to just check in with the um, new construction, the developer, just to see what was going on in the right. neighborhood, um, partially to help our friends that are moving here and yeah. just know what's going on. And also for us to know, you know what are the possibilities. And it was so funny because she closed the door. She had a big screen presentation ready. And Mariella, and Mariella who does a great job. And she said, "Okay, here's my presentation." No, she said in a very, in a very charming very, Puerto Rican yes. accent. I have nothing to I have, sell you. There is nothing for sale, and I just thought it was funny because I thought the next thing she was going to say is, "Get the hell out!" Right, <laughs> but she was serious. There is nothing currently available. No resells. And if you're going to build, it's going to be two and a half years for pretty yep. much anything. Right, two and a half. But years. that's, I mean, that is the definition of not just low inventory, but virtually no inventory. Now, houses do change hands, but it's very much a pocket listing well, type of deal. These are real estate private people, sale mostly. So let's put some numbers behind that. Right. Most of the new construction here is starting at close to like seventeen, eighteen hundred a square foot. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's going to be sure. ready in two and a half years. Now, there's such a demand, listeners, listen to this. There's such a demand for some of these homes that you are going to have to put down when they write the contract, you're going to have to put down 10%. Okay, not 10% refundable, but then once basically the contract, I forget which is the next level, what they call it here, but then there's another phase that happens after like maybe a month or so after the contract signed 
that you then have to put down another uh, 10%. So you're going to have to put down 20% and at the second up deposit front. up front. And, and remember, no delivery for two and a half years. And the second deposit you put down, that money goes hard. So you cannot get it back and you have to close. That's it. That's it. And so we have friends that have um, were in contract, um, like Brendan Puchard, who you guys might know. He's one of our neighbors. And he bought a beautiful place that's right on the beach in this area called West Beach. Really, really lovely. And I bet you between the time he went on contract on that place and the time he closed, I bet that place has gone up by at least a million dollars. Yeah. I'm sure it has. And, and there's other in the space of two to three years, probably. And there's other friends we have here yeah. where real estate's gone up. So, which is going to be and the reason I'm going to tell you why all this is happening is the point that I'm about to start sharing with you guys. But the demand here for people moving here, primarily, most of the people we trip across are from California. Mm-hmm. I would Some say. East Coast, but a lot of California. California. California people, you guys are hearing Californians are fleeing and they're going to Florida. They're going to like, you know, Tennessee. They're going to no tax states where essentially the government has proven it's. Uh, you know, it's, it's unwillingness to basically start treating its citizenry as California is. And so these Californians, a lot of uh, younger entrepreneurs, you know, you guys are reading about all this in the news. It's real. And Julie and I are seeing it here. Um, so we were like, I'll give you an example. A friend of ours, let's not mention any names, yep. who uh, they were moving here. They are moving here. Uh, and they had, there was a house they were interested in. The house was uh, over $6 million. And, and the house was getting rehabbed. So to go there was a construction site. And it was just piles of stuff everywhere. It was a mess. This house was not really officially for sale. Um, but while we were there, there were probably three or four other realtors with their buyers yeah, that were tripping over the same house. this was on day one of this knowing was, that it's potentially available. So this house was going to sell on the first day. And trust me when I tell you, it was not showable. <laughs> No, I don't know what they're Now, it was in a beautiful lot and it was in a beautiful setting. And you can see that they had the intention of making something really nice with the rehab. Mm -hmm. But the moral of the story was, is this sold in the first day for $6.3 million. It went for $200,000 over at least. At least. At least. And and that's that's a fair example of what's happening. Now, why is it happening? Because there's such a huge wave of business owners and entrepreneurs and people that are fleeing these high tax states. And, you know, it's counterintuitive, too, because when you talk about this, you talk about like California, which Julie and I frankly love. We love California. We really do. Matter of fact, I'm looking. What's that picture right there on our wall? Yeah, Laguna Beach. Laguna Beach, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, you recognize that spot. You know yeah, that is. Yeah, I know exactly. That's from Treasure Island, Treasure Island, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> right. We used to yeah. live. You had a Beach little rental Bulldog. place right above that. Yep. Yep. So we have, um, you know, there's all these people that are moving here, and there's that wave of people is just going to intensify as the taxes become worse. And so what this is going to show a lot of people, I think a lot of politicians primarily, is that people with mobility uh, leave. And after the pandemic, people that wouldn't have had mobility before are going to have mobility now. And that I mean, like, for example, you may have lived in a uh, community because you had to work at a particular company. Well, that company was shut down for six months where people weren't going to the office. And so the company changed its mindset and said, guess what? You can be a mobile worker. Just show up at the office maybe once a quarter and you're good. What is that going to do? It's going to free people up to say, you know what? I was thought, thinking I had to live here in Silicon Valley for you know, 10 years just because I wanted to basically, you know, career hop and climb up the ladder and whatever, whatever. But now I'm realizing I don't have to. And so people are fleeing San Francisco. People are fleeing New York City. People are fleeing even Miami. You know, Miami, there's a huge, you know, 3,500 condos for sale in Miami right now. Massive supply. Yeah. And that's in a a state with no taxes. Now they're moving for different reasons, primarily because they don't like the cluster environment of condos. They want to have their own yards and whatnot, you know. Um, But this is what's happening in places in, in Puerto Rico in particular. And here's one of the biggest reasons why. 
If you're a small business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're somebody that's wanting some of the same things that we did, you need to Google uh, Puerto Rico Act 60. And if you know, you might want to also use Puerto Rico uh, Act 20 and 22. Those are two really genius level uh, things that Puerto Rico did uh, starting in 2012, which in uh, context years later, it's extraordinary how smart they were. So what Puerto Rico was realizing is after Maria and because of the uh, the financial problems um, that you know Puerto Rican ha- Puerto Rico as a, a you know a st- essentially as a you know a country or a state territory. has a territory has a ton of debt, and so they thought and p- businesses were fleeing. This area used to be populated by a lot of pharmaceutical businesses, and Puerto Rico was flourishing. You guys heard maybe or maybe you didn't that what was it, Julie? The IV bags, one of the biggest yeah. IV bag producers in the world, is here in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and that's not. There's like a whole bunch of things that are like that, or right. used to be like that. And supposedly that industry is coming back because there are yeah. tax laws that were just changed. Mm-hmm. You know, so Puerto Rico is going to have a resurgence of its own. Um, but what happened was is all these pharmaceutical companies were here that it prominently in the '90s, and then you know Clinton signed something basically taking away the tax advantages for these corporations to be here. And within like 12 months, they all left, and then they all left, and that the economy never really recovered after that. And now that essentially the Puerto Rican, uh, then the government that was in charge, borrowed a whole bunch of money, and the you know essentially the islands got into this massive debt cycle. There hasn't been enough income and industry returning because again, it's been too. It has been advantageous for businesses to relocate here. Well, the Puerto Rican government has is starting to put things in place that's changing that. And one of the things that they're putting in place, and they put in place, are these Acts 20 and 22 or Acts 60. Now, I want you guys to go and Google these things and decide if they're right for you. But let me tell you, from an entrepreneur, from a business owner's perspective, if you qualify for the Acts, they're one of the smartest things you can possibly do for your business, provided you're, you, know, you want to move to Puerto Rico. You have to be a legitimate Puerto Rico resident. You're Puerto Rican, Julie and I are Puerto Rican, we have Puerto Rican yeah, driver's license. you can't be license. a pretend Puerto Rican. You have to actually, to qualify for the acts, you have to actually be a resident. Yep. And there is a not too bad list of things that you have to do. You have to actually get your driver's license. It's the license closer ties like thing that. that people have struggles with, yeah. right? And we have all of our doctors here. We have all our banking here. We don't go back yeah. to the mainland for anything. Not really. We don't. No. Yeah. I mean, maybe we were just in Miami visiting with some friends, but that was it. Right. Right. I mean, other than that, essentially, we are here. We're Puerto Rican. We hablo Espanol. Uh, uh, what is it? Hablas Espanol? We speak? Hablo, 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 hablamos Espanol. Right. Sam, I'm working on it. You are. You're getting there. Yeah. yeah. So, Me I mean, th- that's the thing. And like some of you will say, uh, well, sometimes we run into people that are thinking about moving to Puerto Rico, right? They're here and they're visiting and they're trying to, you know, do their due diligence. And they'll say, well, they'll like ask questions about how long do you have to be here? I'm thinking to myself, if that's the first question you're going to ask, this is not for you because you're living on a tropical island in the middle of the Caribbean, surrounded by all this amazing, you know, wonderful things. And yes, there's, you know, potholes in the road and there's, you know, you'll go to the grocery store and maybe you're used to a thousand different varieties of whatever. And now you have two. Who cares? Get past it. It's definitely worth it. But once you essentially move past the idea, like the, the joke is that there's like, you know, a lot of people move here, and if they're mm-hmm. moving from very metropolitan areas, mm-hmm. there's no Starbucks and SoulCycle. Right. And it's I the mean, joke. You know, the point is to expand what you do instead right. of be so overly attached to it that you can't be flexible enough to have the experience. As you're sitting there doing stretching exercises oh, yeah, right. prior to us going to the gym. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, and so the tax reasons here are huge. And once you've really realized 
Uh, so some people ask us, well, how how much money should you be earning before you consider moving to Puerto Rico? And doesn't it only make sense if you're earning millions of dollars per year? And actually, I think it makes more sense the less you earn because of the fact that more significant those savings can mean to your actual personal lifestyle and your ability to reinvest. Um, and so the, the way it, the tax, the acts work, I'll just give you guys an overview. Let's say you have a business and I'm going to, I'm going to actually get my calculator out. So I'm screwing this up. Let's say you have a business and I'm just going to keep the numbers relatively. I mean, a business that earns $500,000 is a successful business. Let's just, let's just say that. So let's just say your gross revenue is $500,000 and let's say that's actually your, you know, and let's say from the $500,000, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars in expenses. So you have a 400, uh, a $400,000 net. So that means effectively your business is operating, um, you're making $400,000 a year. All right, I, I just adjust accordingly. So in Puerto Rico, you're going to have to pay a 4% taxes on that uh, 400000 So you are paying taxes in Puerto Rico, but you're paying $16,000 taxes. Now, the money that's left, so you're going to you know knock off 4%, which is uh, $16,000. So I'm going to take that off and I'm going to come up with 384000 Now, that $384,000 flows to you tax-free, okay? So there is no federal taxes here. The taxes that you owed was the taxes that you paid uh, the 4% on the corporate side through your Act 20, or it's now called Act 60. And then the rest of the money flows to you tax-free. Now, you do have, so for example, if you're going to, and you should do this correctly, you're going to set up a Puerto Rican corporation and you're going to pay yourself um, a, a wage, right? So if you're running your business and the business makes $500,000 a year, they're going to say, well, what would it cost for you to hire a, a Puerto Rican a person to run that job and do essentially the same function as you? And maybe it's $100,000 a year. So you're going to have to pay, uh, you want to put yourself on payroll and, and pay the you know employment tax basically, just like you would in the mainland on the um, $100,000 a year that you're paying yourself. So there might be another 10 or 15% that's going to flow to you on uh, taxes, uh, I mean, on the personal side, but that's it. Um, and they're, the property taxes here are like California. They're very low. Um, and the, But the taxes on other things, like the taxes that are anything that's imported here, the expense is going to be, I don't know, what do you think, 15% higher probably? Yeah. And then you also have, I think, 11 and a quarter percent sales tax. Yeah. And sales tax is high. Yeah. So you have to do your own math to decide whether it makes um, any sense to you. But overall, all of these pieces to us were the reasons that we moved to Puerto Rico. What are you, mm-hmm. what are you thinking? And I think that's more clear to us a year in than it was. You know, the list is increasing as we acclimate, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's so funny. I was talking to somebody. I was taking Zoe out for Popsicle this morning, and I ran into somebody at the hotel, and he was visiting from Nashville and considering moving here. And he said, what's the one thing that you would have done differently? Great it's question, great question. Right? Yeah, okay. And I, I said, um, there's a lot of ducks to put in a row, whether that's with your acts or it's with, you know, where are you going to live? Make sure you've got some place to go because the housing inventory is so low. Um, and, and to just know that you're going to have an army of people to help you, none of it being particularly expensive, well, but being connected and, and knowing, like, if I need diesel fuel, I got to set that up. Right? But let's drill down on what you just said. Yeah. For, there's something in Puerto Rico called expediters. Yes. Okay, and it's an actual profession. Now, you guys are going to think I'm making this up, and I thought it was fake because, <laughs> just because it sounds so insane. I know. So you can hire, and there's, again, there's people that make a living being expediters for different, usually interfaces with the government. So exactly. we, we hired an expediter to help us get driver's licenses. Mm-hmm. We hire an expediter to help us get the car registrations renewed. We hire expediters to, what do we not use expediters for? 
I mean, <laughs> I don't know, probably nothing. Set up all the utilities. Um, even the utilities, yeah, yep. because the way that things are set up are not what you're used to, right? So you can't just set up your utilities online. You're supposed to go into the office of utilities, assuming that you can find it and assuming that they're open, and then set it up in person, right? And, you know, that's like at least an all-day experience. So you hire somebody, you pay them like 40 or 50 bucks, and they do the whole thing for you. Yeah, and you don't even have to go. Yeah, and most of them do multiple different types of expediter work. Um, and, and then an expediter we were using, she said she has to talk to a jester. I'm like, this just sounds insane, right? I'm thinking like court jester. What, what does this person do? Entertain people while they stand in line? So, no, so, it's a, I think it's G-E-S-T-O-R, but it's, a, yeah. it's somebody very specific to a whole list of different government uh, license renewals. So like if a doctor needs to get some documentation to renew their license, that's what this person does. They deal directly with the government entity who will give you that. So that's like a whole thing, right? And we didn't know that piece of the puzzle when we moved here. So I think for anybody doing it now, like we're going to be helping our friends a lot get connected with that. Uh, But the, you know, it's a convenience. I mean, even when we lived in Las Vegas, we had a lady that would do car titles for us and but go it, sit it, at the DMV. It's more than a convenience because oftentimes the person who's at that said government office, mm-hmm. their English is marginally better than our Spanish. Right. And so the experience yeah. of having to solve a problem, if there is one, like there was one on our car registration, yeah. Yeah. it's going to be monumental if, because we don't speak you know, fluent yeah. Spanish. And, and if Whereas you, you hire somebody yeah. to do it for you, they're going to whip it out in 15 minutes. That's the thing. And I think that... People moving here that don't know that those people exist can get very frustrated very quickly yep. and feel like, you know, this isn't for them. You just have to figure out what the system is because it is different here and find some connections. And the cool thing about that is the people that you know who do that, they know somebody who does the other thing that you know. Well, need, you found right? somebody to make Zoe's birthday cake because the lady like delivers eggs. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. From the, yeah, from the egg wine fairy. Yeah, and, she and, connected me. And where we, where the eggs come from? There's this uh, community <laughs> on the island, which is known for flowers and like eggs and farming. Yeah, they're in the mountains. And they're mountains. And the, the, you know, the food and the eggs and whatnot you get from there are just unbelievably beautiful. Remember, this is, yeah. Puerto Rico's got the only uh, rainforest in the United States. Yeah. Right? I mean, but here's it, the funny quote unquote. Thing. Once it drops to about 77 degrees, the Cold chickens the get chickens. finicky and they stop laying eggs. That's why we haven't had a delivery for a while. Because I asked the egg fairy, I'm like, what's the deal with the chickens? She's like, oh, it's too cold in the mountains. I'm like, cold? So you keep on saying egg about? fairy, wine fairy. You better define, tell these people our, what you're talking our, uh, about. Gal that delivers eggs and uh, delivers wine, you know, she, and I, she does some other stuff. But I call her my wine fairy because she just shows up and brings you stuff. Yeah. It's cool. You'll get a text and saying, I just dropped some eggs off at your door. Yeah, but there was one. Uh, uh, there's a lady that makes a drink called Coquito, which is basically um, Puerto Rican eggnog made with coconut milk. That's like her thing for all of December. And she goes around and delivers that. Um, there's a pastry lady. There's like there's a whole keto thing that you can get keto cookies, which sounds like an oxymoron to me, but it sounds uh, looks really good. And probably anything else you can cook up, right? It's a very Etsy-like world here. It is a very Etsy world. I even had, when it was super hot, I had uh, some organic popsicles delivered. Yeah. Those were really good, too. <laughs> so you can, you can cook up whatever you need and uh, get it taken care of. You just have to be connected because... Doing it through your friends and people that you've connected with is actually way more efficient than looking something up online. 
you can't really look it up online. You yeah. have to and if you through. can, you might not be able to read everything. And there's no MLS here. And as far as you know, the real estate, it's wild, wild west. I mean, this yeah. is the, this is essentially the uh, antithesis of the U.S. real estate system. There might be a co-op, but not really. Not you just really. better basically be the listing. Go to the listing agent. Oh, and just because they said they're the listing agent, they're probably not really the listing agent. So you're gonna have to do yeah. some really good homework. And again, there's there's uh, communities like Julie belongs to one called Dorado. Dorado Damas. Dorado Damas, and there's a couple for men where we can you know just go up. I have a problem with my refrigerator, and da 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 da. Well, like our friend who's buying the six million plus house, they found out about that from the Facebook Damas site, and it was posted for like an hour before people descended upon the house to take a look at it. So it's not because of the MLS, because there is none. So I had a question that someone asked me actually here, right? Mm-hmm. And there's someone, one of our friends that lives here. Mm-hmm. They said, for example, like, now that you've lived here for 12 months, mm-hmm. can, you, can you effectively imagine living anywhere else? To which I said, I can imagine living someplace yeah, else. Sure. And we about, have. <laughs> we have, but, it's, but would I want to live anywhere else? Ascent, effectively, the answer is no. Because yeah. if you were to, for me personally, there's certain things that I miss about being in the mainland, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I love cars, right? Whole and, Foods. It's like a food museum when we go back. It's awesome. Yeah, but we never went to Whole Foods. No, but I would know. Yeah, but we never <laughs> went there because we never wanted to spend that much money yeah. on stupid groceries. Yeah. It's just nice to, you know, go to the cheese section if you want to look at something like that. I mean, I've been, I we've know. been in Whole Foods like five times, yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. But certain things, I don't know. But I think that if you had asked me this last January when it was wall-to-wall earthquakes, I probably yeah. would have had a different answer. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, Puerto Rico is not particularly earthquake-prone, but it does happen. And that's before we had our generator. And, you know, if you ask me when, when it's like 90 degrees and we don't have air conditioning, if I can imagine living somewhere else, yes, that's because we hadn't had our stuff set up. We didn't even, you know, it's like uh, unconscious incompetence. You didn't know what you didn't know when you got here. But you're you're driving back to the second point that um, I wrote down, right? Mm-hmm. After your health, the second point I wrote down was we've had more, you know, where have we not improved since we've moved here? You tell me one area. Okay, spiritually, I could argue that maybe we haven't, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, we were used to going to Mass every Friday. But so. you could argue that we have because we've been taking a lot more, you know, math. We don't go to Mass, but we're going, we're having a lot more... Uh, you know, family time for yes, sure. That's true. Okay, so, so that's balance. not necessarily spiritual, but yeah. you get the context of it. And my mom does have crucifixes hidden in different places of our, our villa. <laughs> All right, so so number two, yeah. um, physical. I'd say we definitely had, this was a home run for us physically. Yeah, yeah, because we work out more, but we walk practically. We'll walk an average of twenty miles a week easily, yeah, easily. and we go to the gym three or four times, um, mm-hmm. um, assuming it's open because of COVID, mm-hmm. right? And we've met a ton of new friends there, so that would. Be and the... you can swim. You know, we have pools, we have the ocean. You can go and learn to surf if that's what you want to do. You just or have to be kite surf or you know, yeah, all kinds, all of kinds of things, things we'd never seen before. Motorized surfboards, Who or does that? you can just sit on the beach and watch all these you know beach activities going on around you, which is also kind of entertaining. Yeah, we've met a lot of friends doing that too. Yeah. Um, but like, so if you think about the different kind of, so from a financial perspective, everything's better Yep. from a health perspective, everything's better Yes. from a personal perspective, mm-hmm. a family perspective, everything's better because yeah. here, here's the thing. And I think also this is a side stream benefit of COVID truthfully, mm-hmm. not now that you're not rushing around and dealing with Zoe going to school and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. having everybody much more home-based, even though it felt a little aggro when we were first trying to figure yeah. it all out. Mm-hmm. Now it's wonderful. Yes. I mean, it, I think if you were to summarize this whole conversation, it's the ability to be flexible and versatile right? and to not force yourself into the recreation of exactly what you just had. Yep. And I think that's valuable from a personal level, but I think for our listeners, it's also valuable to have some sensitivity 
to your own real estate clients who are going through that, especially if they're relocating even across town, because in the beginning, it's much more stressful than 90 days, six months, and a year later. So here's the fascinating thing about mm. you in particular. Mm. You've had to change way more than me. That's true. Yeah, because you have discovered that you're a lot stronger than you thought you were. Well, it's, I don't know if it's easier, but um, I know more what to do because we've moved multiple times. The first move was definitely the hardest. So. We knew nobody here when we moved here. We yeah, had no. no friends, no contacts. No. We didn't know a way around. We get lost in our community. That was yeah. just a year ago. I know. And, the, you know, I, I keep this mental journal of funny experiences that we've had, right, um, that I didn't expect. <laughs> but it's now I look at it as it's funny. The first week or two, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's there's a family of chickens that are that are in the Walgreens drive through what? Yeah. Well, that was the way I was in And, and now too. I kind of look forward to it. I'm like, boy, you know, they, they're having little chicks. Look at the chickens. They're getting bigger. <laughs> so funny. And like, what was it? Day three, we were at this awesome watermill park that's like the neighborhood water park. And we were in the lazy river. And here we are day three where I'm like barely recovered from unpacking the plane flight. School's going to start in like two days. And this giant iguana crawls right up me from the uh, from, water from in the water. I had no idea. Yeah. And I'm like, Dear God, what have I wandered into? That's that, you, you know, that's like you that's get, week one. That's you get for wearing a bright bikini. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but he did. He climbed oh up her, and I was like, he, it was so fast, and Julie screeched. I, I, I mean, you don't expect some monster to come out of the and river. The, and then he keeps running, and he goes up this stone wall, and I bet you that damn thing was four feet long at least. Huge. He was. Huge. It was a full-grown spikes, huge yes. claws. It and was, he was in the water. I still get chills thinking about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. <sighs> I didn't know those things could swim. I let, let alone hold their breath. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, how, how you feel about a move like this in week one or month one is very different than once you get acclimated. Right. And But the thing is, is what it's allowed us to do, it's, ex, it's expanded. First of all, we work in places in Texas. Not in a lot of ways, but in some meaningful ways. Yeah. We were. And what this has done is it's allowed us to sort of expand our thinking about our potential. And constantly being elbow to elbow with all these entrepreneurs that are always thinking big um, and basically all optimists because you kind of have to be. You have to be a little bit of a loon to be an entrepreneur and you have to be really kind of a loon to move here. Yeah. And then you run into all these, you know, fellow loons and it's really wonderful. They're like a big extended loony family. Definitely. (laughs) And every day we meet new people, you know, it's not like we're done with this, so... I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I look forward to introducing our friends that are moving here to those types of experiences, you know, and I, I feel like I've been helping them with their checklists and stuff like that as a view. And I'm, I'm brought back to that feel of, you know, day one and day two. So, well, it's only, a but year. they're going to have a big advantage because we're a year you. ahead of them. <laughs> yeah, they have yeah. you. But it's yeah. only been uh, a year since we moved here, basically, November. Oh, yeah. no, when did we move here? What month was it in 2019? August. August. End of August because school was starting. So it's been more than a year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. School is starting. And so just having been here, I have to say it's been the best thing we've done, I think, yeah. personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really looking forward to next year. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's exciting. And seeing all the changes here and just meeting all these new friends and people. And Yeah. Well, you know. and even watching the real estate market is fascinating. Well, look how much it's expanded how you think. How you yeah. the, Being in an environment that is like, you know, when we're standing on the lawn and we are amongst all the avatars, mm-hmm. right? And feeling such a fish out of water. It, I don't necessarily feel like that here now because things are, we, we know a lot of people. We yeah. see people we know constantly. But uh, having this um, sort of constant stream of new inputs and being around all these other really smart entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. very successful people, sometimes, sure. you know, billionaire types, 
and having them be so friendly and there's just no barriers. Like, you know, we are, we were out rolling around in a golf cart the other day and coming the opposite direction of us was a very, very famous financial guy um, named John Malden. And Julie and I had known John. Um, Julie knew John because Julie's been reading his newsletter for years. And um, so we were essentially sitting down. A, a friend of us, a friend of ours, Keith, invited us to go over and meet with uh, him and his friends. And it turns out one of his friends was John Malden. So I'm sitting next to John Malden. I recognize his name, but I didn't necessarily recognize him. And then Julie shows up a little bit later. And of course, she knows who she and is. I'm like, John Malden. I'd never seen him in person, but I right. get his newsletter. I'm so, like, is, are you the Malden with the economic newsletter? So Julie has like a nerdy star crush on this guy, which is kind of hilarious. He loved it. Yeah. Well, he's, <laughs> he's got to be 70-something. Yeah, he's right? got to be 70-something. But he yeah. was, and, and then we just ran into him the other day, and he's just so friendly. And, you know, we're talking different things that we never would have had conversations like that before in any of our previous incarnations. You well, know? I tell you what's something funny is the conversations that we overhear in the gym. Oh, I know. You know, and I, I heard him talking about, he must have been talking to an editor or somebody helping him write the newsletter about, you know, predictions for 2021. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you just kind of perk your ears up. Yeah, like, oh, exactly. That's interesting. So, yeah, it's an adventure every day. We all get stuck in our own little sort of golden cages, right? In mm-hmm. our own little echo chambers. We're surrounded by people who, you know, are just like us, social, socioeconomically, maybe culturally, educationally. And to pick yourself up and to drop yourself in an environment that's really, for the most part, completely foreign in all meaningful ways is a rebirth. And that's what it's felt like to me mm-hmm. for the past 12 months. Definitely. And, you know, I appreciate you having the courage hmm. and the Thank gumption. You, you didn't uh, push back once when no. I kind of dropped this on you. Well, it did help. I think we were kind of kicking around moving somewhere other than Texas anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the idea of moving to the Caribbean and trying that out. That's, you know, that's kind of an interesting thought. But uh, yeah, it's a little radical. Yeah, it is. I'm glad the kid's as flexible as she is. So for all of you guys who have asked us why we moved to Puerto Rico, that is, answer. that is our uh, uh, basically our year and four months in list. We might be coming up with an edited list another year from now, but that is our list. We're very happy we moved here. We love Puerto Ricans. We love, well, hell, we're Puerto Rican now. Well, you know, we love living here on the island. It's just a fantastic place to visit, but even a better place to live. Don't believe what you hear on the news yeah. <laughs> at all. It, you know, it's a bunch of hooey, basically, to quote your dad. Yep. It is indeed. a bunch of hooey. I mean, Puerto Rico and Puerto Ricans is a, a dream, play, a dreamscape. Um, if you can move past your desire to stay in a complacency mode, and if you want to, you know, basically consider it, just come down and visit and just text yeah. us when you're down here and, you know, we'll meet up and have a pina colada or whatever. What do they drink here? Coqui- Mojitos. Coquito. Coquito? Yeah. They drink coquito. Puerto Rican eggnog. Oh, that's true. But that goes away in January. We have some so. of that in the refrigerator, don't we? Yeah, I haven't tried it yet. I have. It's not, it's like <laughs> 1% eggnog, 100% rum. Yeah, well, maybe we'll save that one up. <laughs> That's so, right. Let's yeah. give it to the kinders when they actually do They'll it. They'll probably like it, yeah. They will. All right. Well, if you guys need us for anything, we're, oh, we're going to be talking about our uh, predictions the rest of the week. We have a couple good topics. Um, well, we have uh, 10 points that we're going to share with all of you guys. So we're going to be talking about those on the podcast the rest of this week. We might roll it into the following week as well. Again, to Julie's point, um, make sure you're taking a breath. Make sure you're giving yourself sort of, even if you're you know, like a squirrel on crack, like Julie and I give yourself an opportunity to chill for this week because next year is going to start, uh, just essentially like last year ended up and it's going to be, the market's going to move faster. There's going to be more opportunities. So you got to psychologically and maybe even physically prepare yourself. If you've not gotten your, your 2021 business plan done, make sure you download the free business plan. All you've got to do is text 2021 to 855 
685-1045, text 2021 to 855-685-1045, and we'll text you right back our fill-in-the-blank real estate treasure map, which is your 2021 business and personal life plan. It's the one that Julie and I, we wrote it, but then we complete it every single year. Um, we've already done ours for 2021. Make sure you get yours done as well. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.